Welcome to the Company Growth Podcast. This is the Company Growth Podcast. This is Alicia Dominico. Previously on the Company Growth Podcast, hugging your customers closer to you right now is absolutely the right thing to do. We've also given you some strategies in our third episode about how to map your customer journey now while you're looking to retool and sharpen what it is that you're doing. You can subscribe to the Company Growth Podcast on Spotify or on Soundtrap or SoundCloud. Today on the show, I've got my friend Bennett. Bennett now works with Drift and he's helped grow out the partner program there. Uh, and Bennett and I knew each other from HubSpot when he was doing a similar job um, working with me using uh, HubSpot as the platform of choice. So I want to talk with you, Bennett, about how to grow amazing sales teams because you're a master. I've learned from you. The people listening can learn from you. Um, and I want to talk to you about personalization and all of these things today. But first of all, thanks for first taking the time to be on the show. Absolutely appreciate uh, you having me and in, in, uh, extending our relationship here. Do you want to talk a little bit about your role at Drift and how it's um, what you've been tasked with in the last year? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so... Um, started working at Drift, yeah, about a year and a half ago, uh, helped build out their agency partner program. So uh, conversational marketing, chatbots, um, account-based marketing, ABM have been some buzzwords of late, uh, customer experience, personalization as well. Uh, and Drift um, is a tool that helps uh, better personalize web experiences through chat. So uh, it's been a, it's been a hot topic and from Drift's growth, uh, they wanted to expand it on the agency side of the house. So tasked me with helping uh, build that out, uh, build out the agency program and helping people uh, further adopt and implement the strategy. So uh, it's been growing, going great. Um, our team's up to about 12 people or so now. So it's been a, it's been a fun roller coaster. How many, how many were on your team when you started? Yeah. So I was uh, number four. So I was the first hire outside. Um, now we've grown it to 12 in about a, about a year and a half. And I think we had about 100 or so partners. And now we're at about 300. So it's been, a, uh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I want to know about how you did it. Because all these people who are listening in, they want to know how to grow their company. And you arrived at a company at a time where it was doing well, but it wanted to see a surge. And you have definitely helped with that surge. So talk about what seeds you sowed or how you kind of helped in that role. What did, what did you do? Yeah, I think, I mean, when timing was big, and uh, I can't really, really credit that, all this to, to myself. Um, like I said, it, it's been buzzwords and buzz topics of late. So we have a great marketing team uh, that helps get our brand out there. And another thing, too, that um, really helps spark this is our alliances team. So we have really strong alliances with Adobe, Marketo, uh, Demandbase, and other big tech players out there. So being able to work with them closely, knowing that you know, our tools integrate with there as well and can really benefit um, their customers. So they're able to help introduce us and um, yeah, people recognize the name. So if you reach out to people, they typically know who you are and uh, it makes it a much easier conversation to get your foot in the door. I like that. I like that you're thinking about how the marketing helped and I like how you're thinking about how the integrations and building those big player relationships helped open the door for you to get in with I assume you're saying their customers as well, that that was a big part of your strategy. 
Definitely. Um, yeah, working very closely with their customers and then also agencies that support them. Um, it's it's a new service offering uh, for agencies too as well. Um, and at the end of the day, we affect pipeline and revenue, which I think people are starting to um, be measured on more. Like before, we saw a lot of people okay, how many leads can we get into the door? But now with, you know, marketing and sales alignment, people are caring about, you know, dollars um, in the door too as well. So being able to actually generate pipeline, show the amount of dollars you're uh, generating. Um, and I think that's something that even you guys have adopted to of late where you guys were doing mostly content at the beginning, but now also offering some sales services too as well. So really that full funnel um, yep. to help connect the dots. And the attribution reporting, I mean, it's just so key. If we can, even with or without an e-commerce site, for me, a big part of my day at Tangible Words is helping track that it's not just a lead, but what quality of lead, trying to divvy up what the leads are, but then also show how many people actually came through, um, if you want to use the funnel analogy, closer to purchase, uh, that matters a lot more than just new leads um, because they can, you know, they can bounce in a number of different ways after they convert. So it's very important to show where they came from initially. And um, I like that you guys are doing that at Drift, which is a lot of what we do when we're using HubSpot too. Um, but I think let's, I wanna talk about, you know, I want, I'm gonna get you to spill your guts a little bit because you were this new hire. Um, you came into a team that was existing. They already had some really good things in place. It's day one of you finally being, you know, finished your training as a sales rep. Um, you understand the product, you know who the customers are, you've got support systems in place. What do you do? How do you organize your time? How do you start selling? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, luckily I came from HubSpot and had a lot of good agency uh, relationships there. So I went back to the well and talked to a lot of those partners. But uh, what I learned quickly is that, um, you know, our solution um didn't really fit the same profile that HubSpot uh, partners typically support, where they're a little bit more of that small business tool and ours fits well with, you know, mid-market and enterprise clients. I mean, again, you could adopt the strategy even for small businesses, but um, that's where we're seeing a lot of our success. So quickly had to adapt and realize, you know, what other agencies support some of those larger clients. And um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like organizing my day, it was just pure prospecting where uh, I was really leveraging LinkedIn a lot, sending connections, sending messages out, some cold messages out to some agencies that I thought were really good fits and not just hitting, you know, one person at that, that agency, I would expand it. Um, and I think this might go to the topic we're talking about, but you know, how can you personalize that message? You know, everyone has their LinkedIn inbox getting completely bombarded with the same message, you know, hey, do you have 10 minutes of your time? How can you really make it relevant to them? Um, so luckily, you know, I was leveraging partnerships more. I wasn't really asking for a sale. So that one helped me. Uh, but two, if you can, you know, use any video, comment on any of the content they're talking about, really customizing that experience to them is going to make uh, them more likely to to respond. So um, that definitely helped me. And then you know, I even blocked off some time on uh, Saturdays, which is kind of pathetic, but uh, really separating yourself from the pack and, you know, people don't really expect messages on the weekend. Um, so just being able to avoid that clutter uh, can definitely help. Those are great tips, Ben. And I, I love that you went into social selling a little bit on LinkedIn because there's a lot of people who are thinking, you know, I've got all these connections. I mean, I like, I think a lot of people have been thinking that for years. 
and they're not entirely, you know, they don't want to be creepy. They don't want to sound like they're talking about themselves, but yet they still have sales metrics that they want to hit. Um, so I love that you brought up that you're engaging with their content and really focusing on them that you're trying to use, you're trying to be social while you're selling. You're trying to actually engage on the things that matter to other people, which is, is a core tenet of copywriting. A lot of the work that we do, but it's also just, you know, being a better human, I think when you're a salesperson as well. Yeah, I'm really lucky where our marketing team just has unbelievable content, super relevant content, you know, shamelessplugdrift.com backslash blog. Um, they even had an article today on like, um, it was a checklist on how to best send videos. So it's like, make sure your video is a certain length, have a CTA, you want to wave and, you know, gesticulate a little bit, be authentic. Just the best tips to actually use video, being that video is so relevant now that people are working from home and, you know, they still want to engage with people, you know, face to face or, uh, have more of that personalized touch. Um, so that content is great to leverage. And that's a lot of what we do here at, at Drift, not just myself, but, you know, how can we just be relevant, be helpful in sending things that actually matter to people based on some of the topics that they're talking about or, you know, current events, not asking for that. You know, it's a famous analogy, like, you know, you don't want to ask someone to marry you after the first dance, you, you know, want to get to know them. You want to have a conversation um, and able to like send them relevant content, continue to drip on them. And then eventually they're going to ask you for that meeting. So I think now then more than ever, um, buyers have more, you know, knowledge um, mm-hmm. than other, ever. They can do research on, um, you know, Google. There's third-party reviews. Like when they do eventually come to you, they're ready to, you know, you're pretty much narrowed down to one or another competitor. So how can you continue to be helpful and be a resource uh, as opposed to like asking for that, you know, 10 minutes of their time immediately? Perfectly said. I really appreciate that. And and while we were dancing around the conversation of being professional or, or um, you know, dripping on people and, and making sure that it's relevant and helpful, let's talk about something that I think you know a lot about in your work at Drift. And that is, how do we help people understand or how do we buy into or maybe even vet the concept that if you are tracking your user's behavior, it is better for the user? Where do you sit in the argument and um, how is it better for the user or the consumer? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. I mean, I just think about, and I, I'm just going to use an example of my day to day. You know, I've been stuck at home uh, a little bit, not able to to go to the gym. So, um, you know, last week or so, I was looking up like weighted vests. You know, I'm going on more runs. I'm doing just some backyard workouts. Uh, I'm trying to get a little bit more of a boost, uh, and I'm not able to to use dumbbells. So I was looking at you know weighted vests and evaluating those, and then you know I forgot about it. Someone pulled me in a different direction. Um, I forget what happened. And then I think it was like a, a few days or a week go by and I'm searching back online and I get, you know, a targeted ad for, for a weighted vest. And I'm like, oh shoot, I never, you know, ended up purchasing this. You know, this is still something of interest to me. Um, so I was able to, to click on that and I figured out what could get here the fastest. Uh, and that was the vest I, I ended up going with. So I'm just thinking about on the consumer side of the house, like, um, you know, I had an issue. I did some due diligence and research. Um, you know, I was cooking and they understood, you know, that I still potentially might've wanted that uh, specific item. Uh, and I ended up making the purchase and it's coming this weekend. So I realized I'm stuck at home for another, you know, month, month and a half at least. Uh, so I'm actually glad that I came back on my radar. So at least on the consumer side, um, you know, that's just a personal experience of, of how personalization really, you know, catered to me and helped me. And I think the more you can do that for your customers and, and, speak to how they want to be spoken to, um, 
can really help them and benefit them in the long run. Yeah, I think that's a perfect example. Um, and I think we've experienced that on the consumer side. When you're looking at a specific item, it is refreshing to see a company that's got their game together and is tracking things and is there to actually help you follow through on the thing that you wanted. And it's more focused about you than it is about the company. What about in the B2B context? Um, we work a lot with companies who are in the B2B and sometimes when you're a consultant or you are uh, advising other companies, there's, it, it's a much harder selling process. You know, when, when you go in to buy a hamburger or when you go in to, to buy that weighted vest, you're already pretty committed. Like you already know you have something in mind. Whereas a lot of the times in the consulting world of B2B and enterprise, you're designing a solution for somebody um, and it's very hard for them to compare apples to apples. It's not one weighted vest against another. So how does that personalization also help when the solution is not so off the shelf? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think this goes to another personal experience and I'm just telling some stories from, from my shoes. So um, being that we're starting to scale our sales team, uh, we need to have a tool that can can help us, you know, uh, instead of just sending these, you know, random LinkedIn and personalized messages, how can we potentially scale that uh, and build that out as we add more heads uh, on our team? So, we're looking into different, you know, email tools on the sales side of the house. So I know that one, you know, we're looking at was outreach, uh, which is a great tool if you use like a Salesforce, if you use HubSpot, similar to like a HubSpot sequences. Um, mm -hmm. But just doing research, when I actually went on the outreach site, you know, they had a bot that populated with Hey, Drift, you know, thanks for swinging by. You know, we help B2B SaaS companies uh, better prospect. You know, let us know if you have any questions. And they pulled in uh, their rep's face immediately. Um, so just knowing that they support other, you know, software companies um, and to have someone being able to talk to me that is actually my account rep. I have conversation with someone when I had, you know, when I have high intent and they can cater their responses to me because they know exactly what line of business I'm in. Um, so it really helps, you know, having that context and be able to skip a lot of those steps where, you know, before you might have to fill out a form and check a bunch of different boxes and then, you know, wait for someone to follow up with you. I'm having that conversation now and it's relevant based on, you know, our industry and our use case. Yeah, I totally agree. Like that ability to recognize you. I mean, live chat is great, but live chat can absolutely fail when you start telling your story, just like how phone calls used to fail. You start telling your story to someone that you're calling in for support and you get passed around and they're like, at the end, oh, I'm sorry, I can't answer that. So being able to establish trust by saying, I recognize you as a software company and we work with other ones and I'll go away. But if you want, we can actually go down that, you know, uh, very, very specific road to you. And I'm ready for it. If you if you want to, I think that's a great option. What about when you're not high intent then? Because, you know, we work in the world of marketing and we're often still advising people to provide guides and, and to open up the net and speak to people earlier in the buyer's journey in the awareness stage, way before they get to the decision stage. How do you see personalization as an asset or how are, how are you seeing other companies use that now? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. You obviously don't, and this goes back to the you know Mary before you you get that first dance uh, line where it's you know just be as helpful as possible. Um, you know, if uh, someone comes to the site, you don't want to you know ask them for that meeting right away. Um, you want to you know offer them various different pieces of content that could be relevant to them. So it's the same step um, when I was prospecting, where you know you're sending relevant content. Um, 
you're basing it based on um, you know different things that you can see from the company, um, you know, based on the the personalization piece, and and you want to to drip on them a little bit there. So I think that's probably the best path um, is just being more on the helpful side of the house. And mm-hmm. once you do, it's that give get. Once you offer a few pieces of content and they're still engaging with you, then it might be a little bit more appropriate to, to ask for, for that meeting or dance. So um, there's different ways you can do that. Um, we, again, use, use tracking where we can see if someone comes to the site for the first time. Um, so we can actually do some different qualifications, see where their intent is. If they're just browsing, you know, we can continue and help them find the right page. But if they've come back to the site, you know, five or 10 times, you know, we'll have a different message. Hey, it looks like you've come back to the site a few times. You know, things must be getting a little bit serious. Or if someone's on a pricing page, you know, typically they have higher intent than if they're on just like, uh, you know, the home page or a, you know, blog page, for example. We're going to have different cater messages uh, to him or her. Uh, so we do it based on, you know, page intent and then where people are at in the journey as well. Yeah, that's perfect. And I mean, I, we did an episode with HubSpot and um, my channel account manager at HubSpot talking about the customer's journey and mapping it out. And I think that's a step that a lot of companies skip. And what I like about what Drift is saying is that in a lot of the marketing that you guys have put together, it's really looking and taking stock of your content and really understanding that asking for a meeting or a meeting booking link is asking for a hand in marriage for a little, you know, it's at least let's, let's, it's a lot more serious than the first dance. So I think it's, it's asking someone to spend time with you is a lot more higher intent and it shouldn't be happening earlier on. It's not to say that sometimes people don't come on to your pricing page, which is a more intent based uh, piece of marketing and that they might not, you might need to be able to be ready to offer it. But I think that uh, initially first being able to say, this might help you, this might help you uh, and, and not really asking for them anything in return can be a really strong um, an important play to make uh, in the age of so many people being skeptical. So you guys were looking at email marketing and you were looking, you've mentioned drip campaigns a few times. How do you feel about um, when people stop engaging with your drip campaigns and how are you monitoring that so to make sure that you remain helpful? Is that a big focus in, in the work that your team does? Definitely. I think that's where, um, you know, you have your strong outreach on the sales front and you do your, you know, sequence of, you know, 10 touches between, you know, video, email, LinkedIn, calling, and then, you know, you obviously, you know, time can be wrong, you know, especially during times like this, you know, people have a lot of things going on. I think that's where it's great to hand that off to the marketing funnel where it's like, okay, you know, I did some specific personalized outreach to a few different candidates. I don't really have the bandwidth to continue to follow up uh, with this person, but uh, I still think they're a great fit. Just hand it off to the marketing team and trust them on sending them, you know, relevant content uh, and keeping them engaged that way. So uh, I think that's a great tactic. And, you know, if you ever do see something that you think might be relevant to them, like on a recent post that you might have read, always you can float that their way. I like to, you know, at least have a touch on someone, you know, quarterly minimum. Uh, but I trust my marketing team to, to keep engaged with them. Okay. That's really cool. Um, you said something else though that I wanted to go back to that I thought was really interesting. Um, uh, what was it? Shit. Um, I thought that you... Uh, your touch points. You mentioned a benchmark in touch points. Uh, do you guys set benchmarks? Is it is it that you should have you know ten? Is it ten touch points to close? Or do you guys feel like there's anything that you can say around that 
line of thinking or any personal goals that you set? Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to have, I think the number is like eight to 15 touches to, to get your first meeting. So, um, yeah, I, I like to have, uh, you know, it is a lot, but, um, you know, people are busy, their inboxes fill up. So, um, you like to have those touches, but I think that that also could, you know, the less personalized they are, the more touches you'll need. Um, cause a lot of those are going to be put into spam, like the amount of emails I get that, you know, reference COVID in the subject line, I think there's a decrease in 40% of those even getting opened. Mm-hmm. I know I trash those immediately. Uh, but if someone sends me a more personalized video or something that's relevant to me based on what I'm engaging with on social, you know, you're going to get a much higher hit rate. So I think the better you do, do that, the less touches you'll need, uh, which again goes to, uh, to the personalization piece and just sticking out from the pack about one of the things that Drift has done to separate themselves is that once you start engaging with someone at Drift, every time you go on to the site um, and you're engaging with more content, that relationship, that dialogue stays open with that person you're speaking with. Can you speak to how that works a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, if you have a, a conversation through the bot uh, and come back, you know, we'll uh, be able to you know recognize you. Say you gave your email uh, through the bot because you want to sign up for our blog or you know a ten revenue growth summit that we had last week. The next time you come by, we'll greet you by name, ask you how you enjoyed revenue growth summit. You know what were your main takeaways? So it's just normal having a conversation uh, like we're doing right now. Uh, just having that on the website and keeping it as relevant as possible. Like you would hate for you know coming back to the site and it's like how can I help you? Very blanketed experience uh, when we've already had you know, a dialogue and conversation, we'd like to keep that flow going uh, and further along the relationship. That's perfect. I think that's really important. I do think you're doing a great job of that at Drift. And I love that, you know, you and I were talking about something when I came back to the website, there was a chat, the chat box was directly back to you. And I could say, I could just leave you a message about my thoughts, about the link that you sent me. And I knew that that was going to you, not everybody else on your team. It was like, I'm here. I don't have to go now and leave this tab and go send an email to you, Bennett. I can actually just chat into this box and I know you'll get it and it's going directly to you. It's a, it's a really nice um, way to help your customer through. Um, I think Drift has, has got that locked down really, really well. And I'm actually hoping that HubSpot is going to improve their chat experiences and functionality over the next year um, and make that a bit more of a priority. What about progressive profiling? Are you guys, um, I mean, is that something that, you know, I know there's been some other apps about downloading content and, and just giving the content uh, a life of its own before you ask people for personal information. Where do you guys kind of sit on that on that argument? Is it is there so much for free and more than a blog post? Or are there, you know, white papers and guides for free as well on the Drift site? I'm thinking about um, progressive profiling and giving away guides. So instead of gating everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. We actually don't gate anything on our, on our site. So... Um, Talk more about that. Yeah, so there's always that battle in... Um, you know, with marketers and sales, you know, how much content do we gate? How much do we ungate? Um, even premium pieces of content, where can we uh, incorporate that? Um, so all of our content on our site is, is completely accessible, um, which is why we have really personalized, engaging bots when people are reading that content. So they're more likely to convert or want to talk to us. So uh, we hate holding stuff behind a, a curtain, but if you do have like really detailed out, you know, um, documents and, and, and things that, that people want to read. Um, we actually have conversation content where you can 
actually share whether that's like a PDF form um, or even a video and have a bot engage with uh, that person as well. So um, you get actually best of both worlds um, where if someone wants to download it as a PDF and share it with their team, uh, they're able to do so as well. So, um, so nothing's gated, but the bots are there tracking it and measuring intent in the drift world. You got it. Cool. Um, all right, Bennett, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, is there anything else that we should have covered while I've got your attention? No, I mean, uh, I lo- love the questions. Um, I think it's, it's super relevant, you know, especially in, in today's age. And it's just something that um, we've seen so much on the consumer side of the house uh, and what we expect on the consumer side of the house as people. You know, we expect... Um, know, personalized VIP treatment, you know, even uh, I'm drinking my coffee here and, um, you know, they know my order, you know, right when I walk in and and they know me by name uh, because I've been a a frequent customer there. So um, being able to still give that people that same experience when they come to websites um, is just what we expect and going to keep better long and uh, lasting relationships. So I think we're slowly adapting there and, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I know people hate this phrase, but it, it's starting to be uh, the new norm. So, um, happy to help. You know, answer any questions along that front, or if anyone uh, wants to do a deeper dive into personalization or drift. That's awesome, Bennett. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>